picture it. Sicily, 1922. Sicily, 1922. And now, on with the opera. Let joy be unconfined. Let there be dancing in the streets, drinking in the saloons, and necking in the parlor. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to a fun-filled and exciting episode of Killer's Cults and Nutjobs 2.0, where we cover all crime. I'm, as always, your host, the great white snark, Scotty J. Seated across from me at the lovely and beautiful Monica. Twisted! Hi! Yeah! First of all, I screwed it up. Mr. Twist! Hey. As you can tell, we're back from our little holiday break. Mm-hmm. Taking care of schoolwork and family matters and laying booby traps for the fat man. Yeah. Still didn't work, but... Right. I just started watching tonight. Um, uh, well, it was on last night on the 80s, so by the time this fully gets aired out, people may have seen it. The, uh, Casey Anthony's parents on the lie detector. Oh, yeah, so, like, look, look, oh, God, I can't even talk either. Which streaming is anyone on? That's on A&E. Uh, yeah, I'll have. Uh, I'm, I'm like half, more than halfway through it. Um, I, I'm getting now to where they're questioning the mob. Yeah, I had to drop a couple since, like, or I dropped Max since they kept, like, pausing at the ads and not doing anything. And I'm like, you know what, I'm not spending the money for this, which is exactly right. why I stopped, you know, subscribing to Paramount over a year ago. Well, and the thing is, I've been watching that, and I've also been watching Natalia Speaks, which happened in Indiana, so, you know, it's my neighbor. Yeah. Yeah, we, we don't like to claim Indiana. We're from Indiana. I, I go to Indiana for two reasons, and both are like... Gosh, this is the other state. Yeah, well, okay, three reasons. Okay. I go through Indiana to come see you. Uh-huh. Um, about an hour and a half north is a toy store in Crown Point, which um, Crown Point Toys and Collectibles is where I get some of my figures through. Uh-huh. And it is also rich in um, John Dillinger lore. Well, yeah. Uh-huh. Which we plan on covering this year. Yay! Yeah, I, I, I haven't been to school, but I, I did. I remember my first trip to Crown Point because my grandma had had like an aunt and uncle who lived there, and their house was right on the time zone line. That's cool. Yeah, the living room was four thirty. The kitchen was five thirty. That's awesome. So, I remember my grandma telling me that Dillinger was was locked up in the courthouse, which he wasn't. He was locked up at the, uh, at the sheriff's house. But I go, I go there to get figures, and then I go, and then Kokomo is like two hours south of me. 
there, and there's a shop in Kokomo that I go by figures at too, so I need to make a road trip down there one day. Now I'm trying I'm you know, I'm hopefully this year I get my my stop motion going, but there's some Spider Man villains I've been trying to pick up and last time I was down there Alex helped me find the ones I'm looking for, so get the boy Big Mac and you know, he'll help me. Yeah, so <laughs> Alright, we are recording a couple episodes that I lost. I accidentally deleted them. Um, so so it's going to sound weird when we do part one and two, the matchup with three, because we recorded three months ago. So it's going to sound a little weird between these recordings and that one. Yeah. Oh. Blame, it on me. blame it on me. I, I take full blame. Fortunately, they weren't too long. Otherwise, I think I would have... Oh, oh, no. no short ones. <laughs> Right, they're, they're small. We can we can get them done in you know no time because we're professionals like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're professionals. I'm a professional smartass. Is about the about the make of it. So let's get, we're going to talk about Cyrus P. And you might remember we talked about Cyrus when we did David Crush. Everyone remembers David. So some of the information is going to sound a little a little familiar, but we're adding more to it. So Cyrus was born in Teedville in 1839 to Jesse and Sarah Teed. Now I believe, if I remember right from the book, his family founded Teedville, so that's where they that's where they're all from. I mean. Grandpa or great grandpa, somewhere in the line, started the town. So financial hardships had been with his family, starting with his grandfather. When the panic of 1837 hit, his parents went to live with his mom's family in Utica, New York. From a young age, Cyrus was a charismatic speaker. At the age of 11, he dropped out of school and took a job on the Erie Canal. I don't know why, but I got a I, I think there was a song about the Erie Canal. And it's in my head. I'll check it. There, there probably was. I'm sure there was, but for some reason, it, it's occupying real estate in my head right now. The, the, the things that go through my head at different hours of the day and night. Now, he became a hoagie. Which is Yeah, there you go. What? Yeah, there's Pete Seeger. Okay. 15 miles in the Erie Canal. That's it. For some reason, it's occupying real estate in my head. Yeah. I don't know why. Well, then, he, it was like composed with some time between 1905 and 1912. Okay, continue. So, being a hoagie meant he drove the animals that pulled the boats down the canal. The day was divided into six-hour blocks... And he would walk for 15 miles, take a break, and walk another 15 miles. So I guess he walked the first six, rode another six, walked another six. Ooh, rough job. 
Yeah, he was gone 17 months, or 17. Yeah, we now have 17 months in a year. I'm not thinking straight tonight. He was gone seven months out of the year and made eight bucks a month. Now, some bosses were mean and would find a way to fire the hoagies before the season was over, so you know he wouldn't have to pay. When Cyrus was 20, he decided he wanted to get into medicine. He started an apprenticeship with his uncle in Utica. That same year, he married his second cousin, Fidelia Rowe, who was 16. And I got a winger song in my head right now, but the age is off. <laughs> Maddie says she's cheating. Oh, wait. Wrong song. They, they had a son that they named Arthur, and they moved to Brooklyn so Cyrus could go to school. The Civil War started, and he signed up with the Union Army. He entered as a corporal, but later, but later Koreshian writings would say that he was a medic. It, but he wasn't. He was just an infantryman. So, yeah. Delusions of Grandeur. In August of 1863, he collapsed from sunstroke on a march near Warrington, Virginia, and suffered a partial paralysis of his left leg. He was sent to Alexandria and spent two months recovering. He was discharged for being unfit for service and returned to his studies at the Eclectic Medical College of New York. He graduated second in his class in 1868. Now, I know that there were guys who got wounded and they were eligible for work in the stuff called the um, Invalid Corps. But you gotta be pretty bad if you can't even get it into the Invalid Corps. Because they had guys with like a missing arm, missing leg. I've got so many things I want to say right now, but I'll actually I'll try to be nice and... Uh, can, can it be about a, uh, a certain ex? Possibly a certain division, but a lot of right. people too in the same division too. <laughs> so yeah, right. After graduation, he returned to Utica and worked with his uncle at his medical practice. Now, T developed a fixation that something would be revealed to him. He built a lab next to his house and began to experiment with alchemy because why the hell not? You know, you're a doctor during the day, you're an alchemist at night. And men in their hobbies. He called his lab an electro-alchemical lab, alchemical lab. Now, during the day, he saw patients, and at night, he worked in his lab, trying to unlock the secrets of alchemy, which is basically turning lead into gold. That's it, folks. That's all alchemy is. You want to turn lead into gold, get rich. They've been doing that since like the Middle Ages. In late October of 1869, Cyrus was working in his lab when he turned lead into gold, or so he said. Now, as he rested on his couch, he was visited by an angel. Now, this angel told him he lived many lives. And she was always at his side. After centuries of waiting, she revealed herself to tell him that he was to redeem the human race. My God, it sounds like my father. For Cyrus to do this, 
He had to die and his followers followers would become immortal. Well, except my father's got a rat and a cockroach following him, so we know they'll survive the, the coming apocalypse. The angel would also send him a woman who would be his equal. Oh, yeah, that's that. She would inhabit this body and they would be together. Thing is, the angel he described looked like the one in the book of Revelations. After the visit, Cyrus began to gather his thoughts into the basis of core sanity. The religion would become a mix of science, millennialism, mesmerism, Swedenberg, theosophy, spiritualism, mind healing, Buddhism, primitive Christianity, Egyptian mythology, and electromagnetic magnetism. And anything else he could get his hands on at the time, because when you're building a religion, cover all bases. Many believe that Cyrus was crazy. He told his wife about the visit, but she just dismissed it. Cyrus tried to spread his message, but all the result in was a boycott of his business. He left Jericho and went to Binghamton to open a business. One day at his drugstore, Cyrus met Dr. Abby, or Abby Andrews. The two would discuss many things, often different points in the Bible. Go with Abby. Thought Cyrus was wrong until he went to read his Bible to discover that he was right. The two became friends and Abby became his first follower. The business began to suffer in Binghamton like it did Utica. So Cyrus and Delia moved to Equinox, Pennsylvania, but as before his business began to suffer. It's actually just kind of the same thing happened with Hershey, but different, I think. You know, the, the, thing, is, the thing that I find about the women in all this is they're, they're always so supportive. Mm -hmm. You know? Oh, honey, an angel came and visit me. Well, that's good, dear. Yeah. Well, Hershey was his mom and aunt, but... Yeah. Right, but I mean, still, the women are always supportive, and, and Hershey, yeah. gave, Hershey gave us some good candy. Oh, okay. I, I can't complain. Nope. I'm thinking about buying some Hershey Kisses tomorrow at work. You should. Delia's health began, began to suffer, so she moved back to Binghamton. He traveled the circuit as a doctor, but would often go back to check on his wife and teenage son. Well, at least he did that. Hey, better than most of the messiahs we've talked about. Oh, yeah, so. How's that going for him? He moved to Sandy Creek to start over, but again, his business began to suffer. It seemed that no one wanted to hear their doctor preach about strange religion while administering to their health. Some things just never change. Well, I heard about the Harmony Society in Economy, Pennsylvania, which is north of Pittsburgh. The society had less than 100 people, and they lived a communal society that practiced celibacy. He took some of the ideas for a communal society that he wanted to build. While he had time in his hands, he began a paper called "Lord of the Messenger of the Covenant of the New Jerusalem. Cyrus began planning his community in Sandy Creek, a celibate society where people shared the work and did not participate in capitalism. While he had problems gathering new followers, he stayed in Sandy Creek until his business completely failed. He then moved back to Moravia to take over his parents' rock factory. By this time, he had a very small following, where he started his first communal living society in his parents' house. His followers were his sister Emma, his brother Oliver, 
and three women who left their husbands to be with him. The townspeople do not believe they were practicing a celibate lifestyle. I bet there were some. I bet there were some great, great conversations with his dad. Uh -huh. uh, I just took a look. Economy is still the the villager economy is still around. Yeah. Okay. I could just imagine Cyrus coming in and saying, "Going, all right, Cyrus." What are you going to do with these women here in my house? Uh-huh. Well, um, hey, your sister? You know I ain't got the room for everyone here in the house, Cyrus. Uh-huh. Don't make me take my belt off. Standing down there at the bottom of the stairs in his undershirt and underwear. Socks pulled up to his knees. Dad, eighteen hundred dad bod kicking in the full gear. <laughs> I don't know why I find that so funny. So Cyrus decided he's going to move to New York, but he went to Syracuse first because that's what you do. You know, you go, you don't go to New York City right away. You take the roundabout through Syracuse. In Syracuse, he met Mrs. Ezra Cobb, who he began to treat her condition. He would often go over to her house to administer his treatments, and Mrs. Cobb would often pay him. One day, she was in terrible pain. Fainting spells, you know. <sighs> so, she left her, so, she left her house to go to his office. Once she went outside, well, guess what? She began to feel better. This lessened her dependency on Cyrus and his treatments. One day he was at her house and she overheard Cyrus asking her mother if, Mrs. if Mr. Cobb treated her daughter well. She said she did and it was the last time she saw him. Now I think what it was was she just had to get outside. You know, she's in this house, stuffy, you know, boarded up. No, I'm not going to say boarded up, but, you know, just... just Overall, just a bad air in the house. You walk outside, you feel better. That's when you open up the windows and start airing the house out. When she missed an appointment, he went to her son's place of employment because, you know, that's what you do. He was met by her son's boss who told him to leave town or get roughed up. Mrs. Cobb went public with her claims, which prompted the, D the local DA to say he was planning on charging Cyrus for obtaining money under false pretense. But the damage had been done. Cyrus went to New York, but received word that his mother was ill. He went back to Moravia and was there when she died. Not long after that, his wife died. His group broke up, but some women in New York offered Cyrus a place to stay. They would allow him to live with them to write a book. Because, you know... Every would-be messiah needs some hanger-ons to uh, hang out so he can write a book. Unless you're Manson. Manson didn't write a book. No. Manson didn't... Well, it didn't, didn't. Manson is in words. Wasn't it like... It was like translated from Manson? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I want to see if there's a copy of that around somewhere. I have the one from... Um, Accent. Oh, oh, yeah. I was just listening to an old um, 
Valve today, and I heard a familiar name from our um, Dal uh, our Manson show, Squeaky Frog. Oh yeah, yeah. It was about uh, Billy Sipple, the guy who saved Gerald Ford on the second assassination. Yeah, because you know when you brush death once, you just feel the need to go out and do it again. Yeah, <laughs> she was a crazy one. They were not true believers, but Cyrus had a place to work. The women controlled Cyrus by giving him money, but watching what he spent it on and trying to break him from those who still believed him, like Abe. Cyrus began giving lectures in New York when he met Mrs. Thankful H. Hale from Chicago, because only people in Chicago had that awesome name. He was planning on starting a, a convention of mental scientists, and, you know, Cyrus is top of his team, so why not invite him to speak? She would pay for all of his expenses and arrange for a place to stay. So he said, Sure thing, ladies! And off he went to Chicago. And that's where we're going to wrap Cyrus Part 1. Folks, you know where to find us. Facebook, for the group, favorite podcast, podcast listening app for the show. And for Killers, Cults, and Nutjobs, I'm Scotty J. You know what to do. Say goodnight, Monica. Goodnight, Monica.